Welcome to the Lingostown Life Podcast, where our community seeks to love God and love others. Here you'll find timely teachings, important conversations, and encouraging devotionals to improve your life and help you deepen your faith. In this sermon, Pastor George asks us if we are lonely and explains why a community is better. This sermon was originally preached on 4-16-2023 at Lingostown Life. Um, so we're lonely, okay? Um, researchers tell us that, that half of Americans are lonely. So if you're not lonely this morning, look at the person next to you and ask them if they're lonely, okay? Yeah, that's the reality. That's the reality that we're living with. Um, but here's the most fascinating part. <clears throat> that 50% statistic... That was before COVID. That was before COVID. And since COVID, we have only grown lonelier and lonelier and lonelier. Um, And it's not surprising. Uh, The American Psychological Association is warning that the implications for long-term mental and physical health are not looking good because of this epidemic of loneliness. There was a a Harvard research study that was just recently done that says that the the loneliest age right now, anybody want to guess what the loneliest age is right now? 14? (laughs) Well, you're a little young, but, but no, actually the age group of 18 to 25 is actually the loneliest age group right now. Surprising when you think about how kids are so connected today, but it says a lot, right? Of that age group, that 18 to 25-year-old age group, 63% of persons in this age group report anxiety and depression as a result of loneliness. It is an epidemic that is going on all around us And the surprising part is that it's happening in a time when we talk about being so connected to one another. So folks, we've got a problem in our world, but the good news is that we have a solution to that problem. Now, uh, it's, it's important that we understand up front something that defines loneliness. And so when researchers begin to come up with a definition for loneliness, it's not based upon the, the few number of friends you have. But, but here's the important thing. It is based on the number of relationships that make you feel known and understood. Just stop there for a second, okay? How many relationships do you have with people that really make you feel like they know you and they understand you? They know you and they understand you. Those are not as many as we may think we actually have. But that's what we're going to talk about today. How many people really know you and how many people really understand you? And I think if we answer that question, we'll get to the solution to our epidemic 
in the world today. As I mentioned, the bad thing about the loneliness epidemic is that it is affecting our, our health, our physical, our mental, our emotional health. Um, as a matter of fact, one study says that loneliness shortens a person's life by 15 years. 15 years. On the other side of the research, here's some, some good things. Social connection, that is having relationships with other people, is as important to healthy outcomes in your, in your life as is not smoking. Science affirms that our brains are wired for connections with real people, not, not our friends on social media, okay? Um, you know, I've got hundreds and hundreds of friends on social media, but the number of friends, the number of friends is a whole lot smaller, right? We, we could just talk about that for a long time, but research uh, also says that having a sense of belonging equates to a higher GPA in students, and our experience with pain is lessened by our connection with other people. Here's something that I found fascinating in doing all this research. If you are standing at the bottom of a hill with someone else, the hill appears less steep than if you are standing at the bottom of a hill by yourself. And your emotional stress to a perceived threat, okay, when you feel threatened, if you're holding hands with somebody, the threat is less, and if you're holding hands with your spouse, it's reduced even greater. So there's a good reason if you're sitting here with your spouse today, like you guys are holding hands, that's good, that's good, you know? No threats here, okay? Um, but the reality is you and I, we are made for community. We're made for community. And, and you know, folks, one of the greatest places to find community is in the community of faith. It's in a community of faith. You know, one of the, one of the things that, that Rita and I are, are, are sort of struggling with, with this whole retirement thing coming up, is where are we going to find those connections? Where are we going to find that community of faith? You know, for the last 36 years, you know, it's been my community of faith has been sort of assigned to me, you know? And now it's like i got to find a community of faith. And so that's, that's going to be, that's going to be something entirely different for, for us to go through and uh, just sort of makes you think about how important it is. <clears throat> now, just let me riff here for a moment. Um, have you ever heard somebody say, well, faith is a very personal thing? Usually when I hear somebody tell me that faith is a personal thing, it's usually used as an excuse as to why they don't want to go to church, okay? <laughs> faith is a very personal thing to me, and I'm like, yeah, you know, it's not really important, okay? And it's not a personal thing. It's just that you don't want to be part of a community of faith. Um, but at the same time, at the same time, it is a personal thing, okay? And what I mean by that is that it's up to you 
if you are going to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, it is up to you. I mean, if you don't, if you don't choose, if you don't choose to, to feed yourself and to grow yourself personally within a community of faith, that's like asking somebody to, to spoon feed you for the rest of your life. Anybody up for that? Didn't think so. Okay? And an hour on Sunday morning doesn't cut it. Okay? So we need to take responsibility for our faith. And we need to take responsibility for being a part of a community of faith. Um, There's a lot of things that we can do personally uh, whenever it comes to our faith, when you look at our, at, our, uh, at our pathway of discipleship, we talk about attend, grow, give, serve, and witness. And these all require some personal effort on our part. But listen, the greatest potential for growth as disciples happens when we do those things in community. Attending to and growing in our faith happens best in community. Giving, serving, witnessing, it's always best practiced within and among community. And that's why we need to make a move today. And here's what I want to challenge you to think about today. We need to make a move from me to we. Okay? Say this with me. From me to we. Okay, and if you do the little hand thing, you might remember it past lunchtime today. Okay, from me to we. Okay, just think about that. It's not about me anymore, it's about we. Okay, so if we can learn to make the move from me to we, we will learn to move from isolation to connectedness, from individualism to community from me to we. And that's, that's where we want to pick up some scripture today from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. And I want to pick up reading in verse 42. So words are going to be up here on the screen. You can grab your Bible, your Bible app, whatever the case may be, and follow along. But let me give you a quick background. So Luke has been investigating everything that the disciples have done and what they're doing, and he's keeping account of it all. And this is all what's happening about 50, 60 days after the resurrection of Jesus. So I want to put all this in the context of this is what happens following the resurrection. There is a transformation that happens in the disciples that moves them from me to we. And that's where we're going to pick up in verse 42. They, that is the disciples, okay? (coughs) The disciples devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor 
of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, the, the simplest way to summarize this whole, the, all these verses is to put it into a very simple statement, and that is, do life together. Say that. See, that's why you needed to say that, because that gave me a chance to get a drink. Do life together, okay? We're not just talking about an hour on Sunday morning, okay? And I'm going to harp on this quite a bit this morning, okay? We have to do all of life together. Not just an hour on Sunday morning. It has to be about all of life. Now, I'm going to make a, a very bold statement here, and I want you to hear this. If you are not experiencing transformation as a disciple of Jesus, in other words, if your life is not looking more and more like Jesus every day, every week, every month, every year, then what you need to do is you need to ask yourself this very simple question, who am I doing life with? Or I guess to be more correct, with whom are you doing life? Okay? Who are you doing life with? Think about this for a moment, folks. Are, are you doing life with people who have devoted themselves to attending to and growing in their faith? Okay? Now, I'm not saying we need to live in a Christian bubble. Please don't hear that. Okay? But are you, are you doing life together with people who are also trying to attend to and grow in their faith? Ask yourself this question. Who's speaking into my life? And if you say that the only person who's speaking into your life is me on a Sunday morning, that's not enough. Who's challenging me to take a step of faith? And it, it doesn't happen on Sunday morning. Listen, on Sunday morning, this is not community. Okay? It, you're not in community when you're in a row and looking at the back of somebody's head. Okay? I've actually heard people Ident try and identify somebody else that they go to church with by saying, you know, they sit in this particular spot and, and the back of their head sort of looks like... I, I have. I've actually heard people tell me that they can identify somebody by the back of their head because they sit in church and they look at each other. Now, here would be the fascinating thing. Here, this, this is... Don't worry, Greg, I'm off script right now. This would be a really fascinating thing right now. If I, asked, if I asked four of you to come up here and identify everybody in the room, do you think I could get four people to identify everybody in the room? Hmm? No. Do you, do you think I could get three people to identify everybody in the room? Two? You think I could get one person to identify everybody in the room? 
How? No, not even how. Not even how could identify everybody in the room. Okay? And we don't have the time to prove it, but I'll guarantee you how doesn't know everybody. God knows, yeah. Okay. If, oh, don't worry. The light's going to fall down. Don't worry. Okay. No, it, it actually won't fall because there, there's little wires that are attached on there. So, Okay, am I doing life, who am I doing life with? Okay, when you stop and reread through the book of Acts, not just this passage that we read here in Acts chapter 2, but when you read throughout the book of Acts, what we read over and over again are the disciples doing life together. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 3 begins with this story about Peter and John going up to the temple to pray. They weren't going by themselves, they were going together. Acts chapter 4, there, there's this passage that tells us that all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed any of their possessions was they owned, but they shared everything they had. And in Acts chapter 6, there's a story about how the disciples how the disciples put together a food distribution for the widows in the community. You see, the, the first disciples understood that you have to do life together because that's what Jesus taught them. Anybody watch the, watch the series called The Chosen? You know, one of the things that, one of the things, if, if you haven't seen it, you got to watch it, okay? It's, it's free, okay? You don't have to pay anybody for it, but but they tell the story of Jesus and the disciples. And one of the things that I had never really thought a lot about, and I started watching the series, and, and in the series, when Jesus calls the disciples, he's calling them on a journey, okay? They are physically traveling from place to place to place. And, and there's, one, there's one part in the series where the, where the disciples are literally standing there and they are chopping wood. And then there's this whole five, five, six-minute scene. The disciples are just standing there chopping wood, talking to each other, chopping wood. See, Jesus didn't call these 12 guys who became the apostles, he didn't call them to come and follow him one day a week for an hour. He called them to come and do life together with him. Because as I said earlier, we grow and we mature as we do life together, as we, as we have to bump up against one another in, in the everyday occurrences of life. You want a good example? Think about this. If you've ever had, if you've ever seen somebody with a, with a rock spinner, you know, you take a bunch of rocks that are all, all they've got lots of, of points on them and they, they're all jaggedy. You can put them into a spinner and the rocks will just sort of bump up against each other and eventually they become smooth. We see that's what, that's what doing life together ha is, is all about for us. Because, you see, it's when we bump up against one another that we begin to recognize where our jagged edges are. 
because when we bump up against one another, we have, to, we have to figure out, okay, how does Jesus want us to interact with each other? Being a disciple of Jesus in a community of faith means that you are growing and learning together what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Well, when we got to the end of, of 2019, the beginning of 2020, um, one of the things that we were trying to do as a church were, were to put together three teams of people that were going to fit these three words, gather, grow, and go. And, and they were three groups of people that we were looking to put together so that they could help us to facilitate what we called our G teams, our gather, grow, and go team. And, and we're, we're trying to revive that now. And so one of the things that this series of messages are going to do is challenge you to, to reach out and to be a part of one of these G teams, a gather, grow, and go team. And, and the, the gather team, which I'm going to talk about a little bit today, is very simple. We need to learn to gather together to experience life and to get to know one another. Now, Again, let's be honest. Most of you come in here, look at the back of somebody's head on Sunday morning, maybe talk to two or three people, and you walk out the door. Okay? That's not the way the first disciples did it, by the way. Okay? Remember, they met in homes, businesses, and the marketplace. They didn't meet in the church. Okay? Now, that's not an excuse to not come to church. That's just okay we got to get to know people and you don't get to know people by sitting in rows you get to know people by doing life together and so here's simply what the gather team can do is find ways to encourage people to get together and get to know one another if you remember, I said that, that researchers define loneliness not on the number of friends, but on the number of relationships that make us feel known and understood. How many of you have a relationship with somebody in this room that makes you feel known and understood? Other than your spouse, okay? Other, okay, yeah, you two have share the brain, same brain back there, so yeah. But listen, this is what we need. We need, we need opportunities to, to get to, to the place where we feel like somebody knows us and understands us. We need to get to a point where we feel that somebody knows us and understands us. And what the gather team needs to, needs to work on is to find opportunities in our everyday life where we can get to know feel known, and feel understood. And so we just need opportunities to, to gather, whether it's to, to get some folks together for a hike, or, or maybe meet up at the playground with your kids, or, or, or maybe it's going to a movie together. It doesn't have to be something big, doesn't have to be something for everybody. But the more opportunities that we get to, to develop those kind of relationships that make us, help us to feel known and understood, that's what we need to develop because 
Being a part of a community of faith isn't about sitting in a row on Sunday morning. See, the disciples of Jesus grew when they did life together. And as a result of their growing together, they made a statement. They made a statement to other people that the disciples of Jesus love one another. And when we love one another well, it communicates the love of God for all the people. Think about this for a moment. If you tell somebody that you go to Lingolstown Life, and they say, well, I know so-and-so who goes to Lingolstown Life, you go, I don't know who they are. What does that tell somebody about this community of faith? Well, they all just sit in a row on Sunday morning. They don't really know each other. See what we're talking about here? We, we need to have a place where we feel known and understood because when we have a place where we feel known and understood, that knowing and that understanding begins to infect the community around us and people begin to get curious about who Jesus is. Because what gathers, what brings us together is Jesus. So if you have ideas for how we can gather, how we can be a community that builds uh, understanding and, and, and relationships, we want you to, to, to reach out and be a part of the gather team. So uh, you can just mark on your connection card this morning that you'd like to, to know more and we will follow up with you. So we have to move from me to we, but we also have to understand that when we do life together, it impacts our larger community. So doing life together is really for the community. Uh, in verse 47 uh, that we read earlier, it says that the, that the first disciples enjoyed the favor of all the people. Now, what, what was happening was that because this, because this community of faith had, had suddenly grown together, the, the expressing of their love for one another began to pour out upon the larger community, and people recognized, look, those people, they come from so many different places with so many different worldviews, and yet they love one another. That's fascinating. I want to know more. You see, when we do life together for our community, we have the power of love to inspire other people to become disciples of Jesus. L listen to what Augustine, a fifth century theologian, said. Go ahead and pop that up there on the screen. I want you to think about this in terms of a community of faith impacting a larger community. Augustine said this, what does love look like? It has the hands to help others. This almost sounds like a good 4-H line too. So, It has the hands to help others. It has the feet 
to hasten to the poor and needy. It has eyes to see misery and want, and it has ears to hear the sighs and sorrows of men. That is what love looks like. That is what love looks like. And when we do life together for our community, we give love a face and we give God a face. I'm going to go to meddling here for a moment. Right now, the face of God is not very well liked in our culture. And I think part of that is because what a lot of people see as the face of God is a lot of angry people who are yelling and screaming at one another. And when there's a lot of people who claim to be followers of Christ who are yelling and screaming at one another, guess what? Doesn't look good for God and it doesn't look good for us as a community of faith. But what does love look like? Hands to help others, feet to hasten to the poor and the needy, eyes to see misery and want, ears to hear the sighs and the sorrows of men. That's what love looks like, and that's what God should look like to the world. And that's why that's the kind of community of love that we need to build this community of faith. Let me bring it all in for a landing this morning. We, we're talking about the fact that we need to, to move from me to we, and we need to, to be a community of faith in such a way that it impacts the, the larger community. But let me, let me share a final thought, which is from the world of child development. And uh, there's this thing there's this thing called parallel play, okay? I, I, if you've ever had any ki kids at home, you understand what this is all about. If you take two two-year-olds and put them in a room together, they will play. Not together, but they will play parallel to one another. Now, you see, the, the thing is, Two-year-olds are very egocentric, okay? They, they only care about themselves, and they only care about what they're playing with, and they don't play together. You may say that two two-year-olds in the same room are playing together, but the reality is they're not playing together. They're playing parallel to each other because all they care about is themselves. And that's why when one two-year-old takes something from another two-year-old, they scream blame murder. Because all they can do is think about themselves. In parallel play, you don't share your toys, and you do what you want to do. So when we say that we are a community of faith, what we are really, or what we should be saying, is that we have matured beyond the stage of parallel play. What we're, what we're declaring when we say that we are a community of faith is that we have matured to the point of realizing that we cannot grow in our faith or be transformed or become more like Jesus without being in a community.
In other words, if we're going to be a community of faith, we have to stop being two-year-olds who gather together in a room, and we need to be mature children who want to play together, who don't think only about ourselves, but always think more about others than ourselves. Because, you see, a community of faith is not a playground for two-year-olds who want to play by themselves. It is a commitment to move from me to we. It is a commitment to move from me to we. And a community of faith requires us to enter into this kind of a shared life, a place, a place where we stop putting the focus on ourselves and our own needs, and we begin to see the larger community that needs us so that together we can truly experience transformation like the early church did. And I think that the solution to the loneliness problem in our world is a rebirth of the kind of community that we read about here in Acts chapter 2 because it is a community that learned to join hands together because they knew that no mountain is too steep to climb together. And so we need one another. We need this community of faith. So, now I'm going to ask you to do the hardest part today. I'm going to ask you to stand up, and I'm going to ask you to make a great big circle by all of you standing here holding hands. So, come on, get up. You know what? Just make a big circle around this center section. You got, you got to hold hands, and you know what? There might be somebody that you're going to have to hold hands with that you probably don't know their name. Now, those of you way over there, come over here. I don't think you can get all together. Come on. No, nobody, should, nobody should not have a hand to hold. Some of you back there can give a little more space to each other. There you go. Oh, Greg, I'm going to need you to change slides. Okay, you can, you can do that part in a minute. Now, I, I'm going to say something that's going to really bum some of you out, okay? I, I want you to look around at each other, and I want you to recognize something this morning. You are the community of faith. It does not matter who is standing up here preaching to you. You are the community of faith. I'm not going to be here too much longer. But you are. And you are the community of faith. See, when we stand up on a Sunday morning and we say, we are a community of faith, it's not because you're here because I'm here. It's because you're here because you need each and every person that you are linked to this morning. And it doesn't matter who's standing up here telling you that. You are the community of faith. And I want you to remember that. Community of faith isn't built around a pastor. Community of faith is built around the people that you're holding hands with today.
So we're going to close by praying a prayer together. I, I wrote this prayer based upon the, the few chapters in Acts that it talks about, about the power of this community. And so, Greg, you're going to have to jump out of the circle here. Uh, those of you who are facing the back wall, you're going to have to turn around so you can look up here. But you have to hold your hands with the people. So, <laughs> so, so like Bobby and Becca, turn around. There you go. Hold hands again. There you go. All right. And the reason I'm not in the circle is because you don't need me to be a community of faith. Okay? So let's pray these words together. We rejoice to be a part of this community of faith, a community rooted deeply in centuries of faithful disciples of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for creating within us a need and desire for community. Now, Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. May this be the prayer of our community of faith. Enable us to be your hand through which you transform not only us, but our larger community. And allow us to be the inspiration through which people become disciples of Jesus. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And so you are the community of faith. Go and be that community. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Linglestown Life Podcast. If this message was meaningful to you, we hope you will leave a review and share it with others. If you want to know more about our church or would like to attend a service or community event, find out more on www.linglestownlife.org. God bless you and may you go forth and love God and love others.